Well, hello and welcome to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church member podcast designed to give people the inside scoop on life in our church. Here's our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. So glad that you're uh, joining in and tracking with us today and I uh, get the chance to sit down with uh, a relatively new friend of mine, but it feels like we've been best friends forever. I uh, want to <laughs> welcome Carrie Ladisser. Carrie, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jeff. I think the fact that you said my name right might be that you're my only friend. I'm not okay. sure. <laughs> well done there. It's the, uh, the French-Canadian exposure that we have to pronounce names like that hopefully a little bit more correctly but uh I think officially you and I have met in person once would you even attest to that or remember that or I fully do and I will okay. never forget what you said to me the first time we hung out so I was Uh-oh. really hoping we could live relive this right now actually. okay give me give me the story because I've probably <laughs> forgotten and I, I might regret it no it's great go ahead and talk about when we when we hung out for the first time and we'll see if it's the same incident uh, I believe that we were at kind of a church leader event related to the Global Leadership Summit. I was at totally. a table with my friend John Peacock and a bunch of his leader friends, and you were part of that table. That's all I remember. I know we were talking some of the stuff we were talking about, but... Yeah, well, we were talking about the kind of stuff we're going to talk about here today, I'm sure. It was a table full of church leaders, and John and I were uh, together at Willow Creek. But the next morning when I showed up, because we had robust conversation for hours among this table, and when I showed up the next morning, you said, oh, I wasn't sure if you were going to turn into a pumpkin. <laughs> you remember saying that to me? That, that, I've probably used that phrase before, so that yes. doesn't okay. surprise me. And I was like, I have no idea what you mean. You're like, well, I'm, there's just not many women that can hang in those kind of conversations for so long. We weren't sure if you were real. And, and I do remember that, that it was a bunch of guys we were talking about, like, summit quotes and going way back into that stuff. And you were kind oh, of holding yeah. the fort for the, the female leader charge. Totally. That, that was quite impressive. I think we wrote a lot of leadership axioms as well. What yeah, we were there. Yes. exactly, exactly. Yeah, we ended totally. up well, listen, uh, help those of us both from Southridge and uh, listening across Canada and North America, just to know a little bit about yourself, give us your personal background, kind of family situation, faith journey, whatever you want to say to help us to get to know you a bit better before we dive in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I am a pastor here in Naperville, Illinois, Chicagoland area uh, community Christian church. I lead our church called the Yellow Box. And I have been here for just over a year. Before that, I did um, coaching and consulting work with churches and pastors and denominations kind of all over. And before that, spent about 10 years in senior leadership at Willow Creek. Um, I am married and I have two kids, a 12-year-old daughter and a seven-year-old son. And we have a lot of fun looking for adventure. Those kids are at a fun age. How, oh my gosh. how, uh, how much taxiing do you do? Uh, a good amount, but I'm still at the phase that I love it. Like car conversations or my daughter and I have Jeep sessions is what she calls it when I drive her around places and we'll turn up the music really loud. Sometimes I like to introduce her to good music from when I was her age. Uh, so we do a good amount of taxiing, but it is like a key relationship building time right now in my parenting. That's great. We're, we're, uh, 
we sent one off to college recently and so we're back to more taxiing because our next oldest is months away from getting their full driver's license and so we're now uh, back in the space of lamenting it so maybe i should maybe i should have a little bit more gratitude of the the the, the car times i guess i'm making the most of it i don't know that's it's good yeah. Hey, um, can you follow up on uh, what you mean by yellow box? What does that term mean for those of us? Yeah, sure. So Community Christian Church is the name of the church, but it's a really interesting story in the space. Um, it was an awesome, like miraculous opportunity to get this land. And years ago, the church started with just a warehouse. And I hear different versions of this. One of them is that maybe yellow was the cheapest paint color they could buy. Another story is that yellow brings joy to people when they see it. Uh, but they painted the outside of this warehouse yellow. And then over time, uh, it said the yellow box on the outside. Over time, the community started referring to the old box, uh, the old building as the yellow box. And so when we added on to the building, we named it that, and it's really cool because it's allowed us to like partner with community organizations that couldn't partner with the church, but they can host stuff at the Yellow Box. So like we host TEDx, you know, they, they're able to put in their contract that it's at the Yellow Box instead of at a church. So it it's a community space in that regard. Everybody knows of it. They kind of named us the Yellow Box. Uh, so that's what we call the church, but Community Christian Church is its actual name. Okay, so in your context, yellow box is a way of disguising yourselves as a as a church <laughs> in covert ways. That's right. Yeah, I guess. So. I mean, it's it's this nickname that the community gave us, so we own it. That's super cool. Um, knowing, uh, you know, and hearing a little bit of your background, knowing that you are a local church leader at heart. Mm-hmm. Um, Give us a bit more just about your local church right now. What's God doing uniquely through your church that the rest of us can learn from? And what do you enjoy most about local church work? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think this particular season has been, I mean, for all of its grief and glory, the pandemic has given us a lot of new invitations in the church. And our church is trying to really discern you know, what has got up to and what does this next season look like for us? And over this last probably year and a half, we've been really intentional uh, about evaluating some of the ways that maybe we have unintentionally invited people to salvation, but not the fullness of the gospel. Uh, and so we're trying to be really intentional to say, what it, what does it mean to truly be a people about the ways and practices of Jesus that are partnering with him to establish God's kingdom here on earth? Like, what does it look like for us to actively participate in the gospel, be agents of change and redemption and reconciliation and restoration of all things? And so we're, we're doing some really exciting stuff in that way. Um it's, it's challenging to say, you know, reimagining the invitation to this ancient practice because it is the same invitation. But I think we have just realized some of the ways that our discipleship fell short. Uh, and we're trying to be really intentional about what we're inviting people to, life to the full and the good news of the gospel and then being a part of extending that. And so that, that's one of the things I'm most excited about in our community right now is how intentional we're being to what the invitation is to following Jesus. Isn't that a humbling and, and convicting question to say, what, what are we actually inviting people into and staring at whether our invitation to accept Christ or receive Christ is mm-hmm. actually the fullness of what Jesus intended when he said, follow me? 
totally. Totally. <laughs> uh, and and you know, as a longtime church leader, when you realize, wow, may, maybe we haven't been getting that right. It's like you, you kind of had that moment of like, am I even a church leader at this point? I, <laughs> what are, are we are, even doing? Yeah, these are such basic questions, but you know, especially for church leaders listening, they are super, super critical to ask and re-ask and reconsider uh, in your context. In, in the integrity of what you're actually inviting people into. That's, that's really significant. Yeah. yeah. Um, give me a, a couple minute response. Cause I know so many people, especially coming out of the pandemic, it's, it's become kind of a convenient or opportune time for people to give up on church. What, what's your two minute response for people who are in that category that we know as the duns, they're just kind of packing it in. Yeah, I think we have to be really curious about why that is. Uh, and I'm I'm having so many conversations, one, with leaders who are really discouraged about this, other pastors, and two, with people that are in this community and uh, that have left. And so I, I think a lot of that is on us. I mean, that's part of why we're really serious about this work of what is the invitation. I, you know, at, here in America, six, some say 6 million, some say 8 million millennials left church between 2016 and 2020. So this was already a, a crisis or a pandemic, if you will, before the pandemic started. But a lot of the conversations that I have with people that are leaving or that are done, I think I would sum it up in this way. One are either um, people who did it out of tradition or guilt. Like maybe they would have would have been consumer kind of cultural Christians. It was tradition for them. And then when they, you know, went an entire year without walking in the doors of a church and didn't get struck by lightning, they were like, oh, what did I need that for anyway? Or two, kind of the other side of that is people that were really passionate about Jesus and the Jesus they found in the scriptures. And I think in this last season have realized, oh, maybe we don't need a building or a worship band or great lighting or haze to have the kind of experience that we're called to as the church. Like maybe this isn't what we're supposed to. So I think there's a recalibration happening on multiple sides. And I think that's why it's so important for us as church leaders to do that same self-reflection and pause and say, wait, what are we actually inviting people into? And what it, what is our contribution to that? I think the COVID season has been very illuminating I don't think any of the new stuff that we've seen emerge with uh, political tensions, the racial realities, the um, the prioritization of individualization and our own liberties, you know, all these kinds of things that we would say are tensions right now in our culture, none of those are new. They were there under the surface all along. And so they have been freshly illuminated and I think provide a fresh invitation for us in the church to say, what then does this mean? What then does love require of us in this moment? And as a church leader, I feel like, wow, they, they've probably revealed the fruits of our discipleship for the last however many years. And so we should really be listening to people who are the duns and be attentive to what's gotten us to this place if we're going to be about the kind of course, rec course correction that's required in this next season. Did I answer your question? That's a, that's a 10 out of 10 answer. Loved it. Um, you, you've been talking a lot about the pandemic and I appreciate that. So let's go there next. Um, obviously, you know, whether it's in Canada, the U S pandemic has affected churches considerably. What would you say that you've personally learned most 
And how are you feeling now about, even if it's your church or in your perspective, kind of the broader, the church, mm-hmm. you know, how is the church struggling and shining now coming out of the pandemic? But start with your, yourself. What have you learned through it? Yeah. Um, I don't know if this will be like a real curveball for you, but uh, I walked through a pretty significant wilderness season in the couple of years leading up to the pandemic. And um, I feel like in some ways it has given, it's equipped me to walk this season. I, my personal learnings and insights that have gotten just reaffirmed are how present God is in the wilderness. I think this pandemic season has been, um, I mean, so much loss, so much loss, personal loss. People have lost loved ones. People have lost jobs. People have lost income. People have lost stability that the comforts and conveniences that we held on to or sort of um, helped us manage or navigate life have all been stripped away. And so I think in conversations I've had with church leaders where they have wanted to talk about like, well, on the other side, or like the promised land is coming, or, you know, we love this wilderness metaphor, but I have finally, um, I have said to several of them, and I think this is just continues to be what God's taught me personally, is that God is in the wilderness, maybe even more present than in the promised land. Like right now in the wilderness is a time of preparation. We know the Israelites went into the wilderness to be prepared, to be taught how to live according to God's value system whenever they got there. So it's a time of preparation. There's provision in the wilderness. He provided manna, you know, daily what they needed. And I actually think God's presence is most prevalent in the wilderness. And we, at least in the American church, I think we could look at, you know, second temple times and and times when the Israelites were prominent and maybe call that successful. Like when they had a temple and they had a place and they had land and there was some prominence and they ruled. And I, I think maybe we would be remiss to not notice perhaps they were most successful when they were walking with God's spirit in a cloud by day and a fire by night, like living with his presence. And so just for me personally, it has been, um, it has felt like a wilderness, but it's required such dependence on Jesus that it's been a rich season. That's a great observation because I think for a lot of church members and certainly a lot of church leaders, we've, we've kind of wanted to deny this as a wilderness. And mm-hmm. like you said, just how are we going to, optimize the season that we're in and more importantly how are we going to get out of it as fast as we can how are we going to replant and relaunch and you know make the curve and re-pivot and all that uh as opposed to just sitting in hey you know first things first in the whole initial season of lockdown like we have been given a season of just radical simplicity how are we Mm going to experience god in this And then, like you said, as you're coping with all of this loss that's beyond your control, rather than deny it, uh, how are we going to look for and and experience God in it? That's that's a very astute astute comment. I appreciate that. Um, You are more than just a a one-hit wonder in the local church. You commented on how you've done some consulting and worked with some ministries and whatever. And I know one of the ministries that you're hitched in pretty closely with is this ministry called Exponential. Um, Can you describe for us what Exponential is and does? Talk about this for a few minutes. For sure. So I'm an associate on the Exponential team, and I love the mission and vision of Exponential in that it 
it is a what, what we would call big tent organization. So lots of different backgrounds, lots of denomination, lots of different styles of churches. But what we are really about is helping to change the spiritual landscape of the church in North America and the, the huge kind of sunset clause, if you will, of like how we anticipate doing that is shifting the scorecard on the church in North America from being a growth mindset, you know, how big can we get, how large, how many butts and seats to really thinking about what does it look like to multiply the mission of God and to raise up and send out leaders. And this was my own journey at the church assignment I had before this. We stepped into a church after the founding pastor had retired and he had kind of the mega church blueprints that he gave us, rolled up the the blueprints and passed them like he was passing the baton. And as we really started to discern the next season of ministry and what God had for us, it really felt like, oh, this is probably not a growth vision. This is a multiplication vision. Like how can we raise up and send out leaders and church planters and uh, people to be sent in every context that they serve. So exponential really focuses on that with churches and denominations, helping them think about making disciples, about raising up and multiplying leaders, about planting churches to start movements of the good news of the gospel. Can you comment more on that phrase, big tent? We use that around here. And uh, I know even in our denominational context, we try to lean into, you know, being a, a big tent or a wide tent. Um, what, what have you learned through your work with Exponential about drawing people together who represent not insignificant difference, especially around faith convictions and even theological interpretations that may at first appear incompatible. How do you make that unity yeah. and diversity work? Yeah, that's really great. Uh, I I would say that's been a part of my own personal ministry journey for many years. Um, I think Exponential has is tapping into that and has, I think, probably pr- dreams of doing that even more, but it's, it's hard. That's maybe the, the middle is the hardest place to stand in terms of you're drawing people from all sides. And so your ability to step on toes or to frustrate people or offend, or, you know, it's even greater when you're pulling people towards the middle. It, it is challenging, but I think as we have talked about this in the church and as we talk about it in those contexts, you know, what, what is the core essential that we can come together and be about? Um, and it, it brings up challenges in different ways. Like I'll give you an example here since this is among friends, but, um, J.D. Greer is a good friend of mine. He leads the Southern Baptist Convention or did for the last several years. And so we both spoke at an exponential event recently. And somebody who is a part of the SBC got really upset about it and, you know, wrote some blog posts and and called me a a pastor in air quotes. And, you know, I think we, we are we navigate that tension in different ways and we're trying to just be more about what we are for together, even despite those differences. And because we're not, we're coming together around mission. So we're able to do that. All of us have things that we leave behind to come together under the mission of multiplication. And so, I mean, it comes with challenges, but we, we think the mission is bigger than all of us. And when I talk about this, I think, as the body of Christ, different churches and different denominations are different parts of that body. And so it will literally hinder our mission if we can't do the work that it requires of us to come together for the sake of what we're about. 
That's a very gracious answer for someone who was being called a pastor in quotes. I'll say that. <laughs> I mean, I've been called worse as a pastor in, in quotes, but um, thanks. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 classy. Hey, uh, as we've emailed back and forth, I notice on your email handle, it's at newgroundnetwork.org. Uh, so it feels like you've got your toes dipped in now uh, another ministry environment as well. Uh, can you talk about this new ground network? What is it? What does it do? Orient us to all of that. Yeah, sure. Um, oh, 12 years ago. So before I was in church leadership, I was in the business world and I got to do some coaching and consulting for different um, organizations and businesses like specifically that were having a hard time launching or getting off the ground. And when I started in church world, I I brought some of that like wiring, I think, to ministry to think about, I mean, really my first year serving in the church was was really frustrating because I felt like I'm clear on what we're trying to do here in an hour a week on Sunday, but I'm not sure if I'm on the same page as my coworkers. And is this moving the ball down the field for what we're really trying to accomplish as a church? And I think this is good, but how do I know? You know, I was really frustrated with like not understanding expectations or what the target was. And so I brought some of those ministry planning like tools and resource or business planning tools and resources into the ministry world, um, not to bring a bunch of like corporate practices and principles, but just to help the team wrestle through some good questions about mission and vision and strategy and how will we measure if we're on track and how are we going to celebrate what God's doing if we're not attentive to those things. And so I created these ministry planning tools. I used them where I was. I, I took them to Willow. I got to use them across every ministry there and every uh, location and campus that we had. And during that time, people would call and say, hey, how do you guys do this at Willow? Or how do you do small groups? How do you do outreach? And every time in those conversations, I'm like, wait, this isn't your context. It's not your community. It's not your calling. And so really unintentionally, I started doing that coaching and consulting work with churches and with denominations. And so really several years ago, it felt like, okay, this is a thing that I just want to be a little bit more intentional about. And we started New Ground Network. There's actually a team of people uh, that do coaching and consulting. And sometimes it's coming alongside a church that is planning for succession. And they want somebody from the outside to bring perspective, to help them see what they can't see, to facilitate that kind of process. Um, sometimes it's a church that's experiencing tons of growth or kingdom fruit in some way. And they're going, okay, how do we harness this? What do we do? How can we be responsible with this? Sometimes it's a season post-crisis and a church needs help with healing and uh, caring for their team and developing their team and figuring out kind of mission and vision to move forward. And so there's not like a product that we have, and I never wanted it to be about me or carrylattiser.com. So it, it really is a team effort to say, we want to help organizations that want to take new ground in God's kingdom uh, that are cultivating something new. And then for every like coaching contract that we do, a portion of those resources get reinvested into like non-traditional church plants and um, pastor retreats and things like that to just continue to kind of pour back into people that are doing stuff um, for the kingdom. So that's what, did I, did I explain what new ground that's network? A, that's <laughs> a great description. I mean, to me, you know, we've just launched this ministry here at Southridge called leaders village and you know, our heart and sense in not just our local church, but in the broader church is that 
the reason we are, one of the reasons we are local churches is because it takes a village to raise families. And so the, the local church can be this broader village for, for, for families to raise in God's image. But often there is no village to raise, especially the spiritual parents of these spiritual families. And you kind of find yourself lost and stuck and, you know, maybe under-resourced and, and you've got maybe your local ministerial or a denominational connection or whatever, which can provide some relationship and maybe some resourcing. But, uh, you know, there's, there's, there are a lot of ways where two are better than one because they get a better return for their labor. And uh, it sounds like New Ground Network is really coming alongside churches and leaders to help them do that. So that's, that's really phenomenal stuff. If, if a leader is listening and wanted to connect with you, where would they find New Ground Network on the web or social or whatever? Yeah, newgroundnetwork.org. Uh, they could find me just on social or newgroundnetwork.org. I think there's a place you know, for my email and I'd love to be able to connect that precisely what you're describing with that spiritual family piece, like all of the, if you have some cool resource that you're developing for your team, we give that kind of stuff away for free. So a team developmental heat is one of my favorite exercises to do with the team, to drive conversations about development, to help people have language for how stretched they are in the moment. Like those types of things, retreat stuff and, um, job descriptions, just things like that, that you need as an organization, we give all of that kind of stuff away. And then we create constructs and facilitate processes to help churches move ahead. And precisely what you said, we're better together. We're in it together. And I think now more than ever, we need one another to learn from and to walk with into this new thing that God's doing. Awesome. Hey, uh, with, with your uh, kind of long history of local church experience and this expansive purview of parachurch ministry and consulting and all this, you certainly bring a a really comprehensive perspective and even personal experience on what it takes for churches to be healthy and what it takes for church cultures to be healthy Mm -hmm. and what it takes for churches and church cultures to really be exuding the person and the essence of Jesus. Can you make some comments, and you can you, you can be as transparent or as go as deep as you as you want to here, Carrie. But where where these days are you seeing the church most stuck, and what would you say it's going to take for churches to move forward in a way that can drive health in churches to a greater degree? Mm, yeah. Uh, we could spend a lot of time on this question. So if I don't answer it as thoroughly or you have follow-ups, um, let me know. But we, we can do a t- we can do a version <laughs> 2.0 anytime. Okay. Uh, I, my sense over these last several years is um, there's a lot that has been illuminated in the church, and I think every bit of it invites an invitation from us. I, I would summarize it in, uh, I think, we have elevated the gifts of the spirit over the fruits of the spirit in a lot of ways in the church in terms of what we have defined church is or is to be about or what we have prioritized in church, even how we have created the scorecard, right? To know if I'm, if I'm winning as a church. And I actually think this kind of post pandemic moment or this pandemic moment, what has been, um, 
what what has had light shed on it, I think what's been illuminated in the pandemic is really the fruits of our discipleship from this last era. And I want to believe the growth church movement and the mega church movement and the big church and the bigger, better and more kind of scorecard that many of us have taken on or, or grew up with. I want to believe it was well-intentioned. I don't think it was malicious, but I think we have watered down what the gospel is for the sake of salvation. And we have not carried people forward in true discipleship. And I think that's part of what is being revealed in this moment is, oh, people are being discipled more by Fox News or CNN or whatever radio host they listen to um, because we have not discipled them in some of these key areas of what, like the person and the way of Jesus Christ. We, we have not fully invited people into that allegiance. And so when you talk about health, I mean, I, I think of, I just had this conversation. This is the conversation with every pastor that I'm talking to. And there was an axiom at Willow that, you know, the speed of the leader, speed of the team. I think it's true. The health of the leader, the health of the team and our, the cultures that we perpetuate in church, if the fruit of the spirit is not present in those, if our culture does not reflect the culture of the kingdom of God, I don't know that anything that we do on the what can trump the how. Yeah, it's interesting when you're, you know, even earlier you were talking about the being really intentional on what you're inviting people into. And I think mm -hmm. a, a similarly just seismically shifting question is, you know, what do you understand the church to be? When you talk about the scorecard and the metrics and, the, you know, if, if, the, if the church is this, third-party agent mm -hmm. that exists to provide some spiritual goods and services to assuage the stresses and struggles of largely privileged people, well, that's that's a thing that you can measure and grow and whatever. If the church is a people that exist to incarnate Jesus in the part of the world where God's placed it, mm -hmm. that's a totally different thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, for church leaders listening, I hope that in addition to that haunting question of what life are we inviting people into on behalf of Jesus, I think there's a what, what essence are we exuding on behalf of Jesus because Christ was sent to incarnate God and then entrusted that incarnating of the life of God to his would-be followers and to his bride and body. And that's at the end of the day, that's now on us. And I think that a lot of us, especially now intensified or illuminated or exacerbated through the pandemic, we're now reflecting on the degree to which we've been doing that. And like you said, the fruit now bearing the fruit of our discipleship or lack mm -hmm. thereof. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you're going to say a bunch of other things, I know. So uh, I know we've got to wrap up right now. There's We're going to need a 2.0. I'll just say that out loud right now. But <laughs> Um, when you think about the church members and the church leaders listening in on this conversation, what would be your kind of final encouragement or challenges when it comes to promoting a future of Christ followership together for the future in the most healthy way where the church can really thrive? Yeah. Uh, I was just talking to a friend about this who said uh, he likes to do workout videos at the gym. Like this is his, his helpful thing. And the videos will often give you coaching to say, okay, yeah, you, you want to go faster. That's great. But don't go so fast that you lose your form. 
or you want to lift more, you want to go heavier, great, but don't, don't lift so heavy that you lose your form. And I think in this moment, that idea of we have lost our form, some of us, not certainly not all of us listening, but what does it mean for us to return to the form of Jesus? You just talked about the actual very definition, the invitation of what we are called to be and become is the body of Christ. And so let's start with the, the form. Let's start with what it means for us as individuals and with our teams to pursue the life to the full in Christ. Like, and then what does it look like for us to live that out as a people on mission? I think the church has never been more needed than in this moment. I think we have some reimagining and redefining to do to determine what does it look like to activate the people of God to join Christ in the redemption and restoration of all things. Like it, it is, it's remarkable that of all the strategies in the world, in the universe, God chooses us as his strategy to establish his kingdom here on earth. And so maybe my encouragement is to have some permission to get curious, to let go of certainty of the things you've held tightly to, and to pursue this next season with curiosity and dependence on the life and person of Jesus. And let's see what happens. I'm, I'm really excited about what the future looks like for the church. Amazing. Carrie, thank you so much for uh, not just sitting down for this conversation, but for being part of this extended village that together as uh, members and leaders in the, the trenches of local churches that we can lock arms with, even through technology like this, uh, in order to gain some strength and some enthusiasm and vision and be better together. So uh, really appreciate you uh, sitting down and spending some time with us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the Leaders Village. It's really exciting. And to all of you who are listening in, I uh, appreciate you taking the time to join in and track with us again today. We'll see you back here in seven days as we continue finding our way together. Take care, everybody. Take care.